Well, you can have a seat. How's everybody doing? That was awesome, wasn't it? How many of you guys like the new drum cage? Anybody like that? I want to thank you guys. Thank all those that gave to that. I appreciate it, and we appreciate it, and I know some of your ears appreciate it as well. So um, thank you again, and uh, welcome to Grace Church. Uh, my name's Matt. I am one of the pastors here, and uh, so glad to have you. If you're watching with us online, um, thank you for watching with us. Let us know where you're watching from. Um, and we're going to play a game here in a minute, so make sure to be involved in that game in case I forget about you at home. But um, wasn't it a great summer? Did you guys have a good summer so far? Right? It was good. It's over, just in case you didn't know. It's pretty much over. Thank God in Florida. And, uh, you know, here uh, preaching, we had a great lineup. We had Pastor Clark. We had Brett. We had Jeremiah. We had Rick. I mean, what else could you ask for, Right? No complaints. Air conditioning's working good, right? Um, just a reminder, they're going to tell you at the end, Tom LaHue, again, is this Saturday. Uh, he's going to be teaching a personality test that I think has radically changed the way we do ministry here. We've learned a lot, learned a lot about people, how to love people better, how to help people love us better, and all the good things. But uh, if you're interested in going to that, uh, sign-ups are filling up. Make sure to, to catch Nikki. She'll be out there uh, by the table. So love to have you do that. Um, but we're going to play a game this morning real quick. You guys okay with the game? Does everybody have their little signs that Ruthie was – look – she worked really hard on those, so you might want to play the game just for Ruthie, okay? So not for me. This is for Ruthie. She worked really hard. She'd be really sad. But keep the clothespin on it so that you can twist it just in case you're wondering, what's this clothespin for? Yeah, if you didn't get, get any, let Ruthie know. She's walking around passing them around. But um, this game's called This or That, okay? And it's a preference game. So whichever your preference is, I want you to say, show me this or that. I get to learn a little bit about you as well, Okay. Is that cool? Is it okay if I know something about you? I think it's all right, you know? All right, so here we go. This is the funny version. All right, so bad haircut or bad dye job? Bad haircut or bad dye job? Show me your this or that. Let me see. Uh-huh. That, yeah, is the red. Yep, you guys are getting it. Color, yeah. I would probably go with bad dye job myself. The haircut, I don't know. We'll see. Um, next one. You guys ready for number two? Talking pets or talking babies? I would lean towards talking pets. I think babies would be kind of weird, especially when you're changing their diaper. They're just talking back to you. It'd be weird. <laughs> Get uncomfortable real fast. Talking pets. I always want to know what animals are thinking sometimes, too, because I know they're thinking things. Most of the time, they're thinking us humans are strange. Um, all right. Number three is, is this a sauce question, a saucy question. Ketchup or ranch? Ketchup or ranch? Let me see. We got a lot of ketchup, right? Ketchup's kind of the way to go. Ranch, I don't know. My wife, if we go through the drive-thru without asking for ketchup, we're going back. Just she's that way. So, um, all right, next one is crunchy peanut butter or smooth peanut butter? Where's my crunchy and where's my smooth? All right. Uh, I'm seeing, it's a pretty good divide. Okay, mostly crunchy. Way to go, crunchy. I think we won on that one. All right, here we go. Number uh, five is night or morning. Let me see, where's my night or morning? 
Oh, we got a lot of mornings in here. What's wrong with you people? I was thinking this would be it. If Rick was here, Rick would say night. He goes till like 3 a.m. Um, all right. Uh, here we go. Next one. This one's kind of gross. Bad breath or bad body odor? I would say neither, but you guys get to vote. Where are we at? Mostly bad breath. Nobody likes bad body odor, I see, right? Okay. Here we go. Number seven, working hard or hardly working. Vacaciones, if you know what vacaciones means. Working hard or hardly working. A lot of hardly work. Man, you guys need to get to work around here. Somebody, you early risers just want to lay around all day, I guess. All right, here we go. Uh, number eight, guacamole or salsa. Salsa. Guacamole or salsa. A lot of uh, guacamoles. I'm actually surprised. I was a salsa guy. So you guys, when you go to the restaurants, you ask for guacamole? All right. Uh, next one, boxers or briefs? Just kidding. Don't vote. <laughs> Don't. I saw. Yeah, I saw. Boxers or briefs? That's, yeah. Gotcha. Uh, number 10, dress up or dress down? Dress up. Yeah, I knew it. I knew Alan was going to pick that. Yep. What else? Steve, you're a dress up guy? All right. Okay, dress downs. That's good to be in a marriage and be both dress downs. It's rough when it's the other way. I'm constantly coming out and Ruthie's in some nice dress. I'm like, clearly I missed the memo. All right. Last one is loud neighbors or nosy neighbors? Loud neighbors or nosy neighbors? Let me see. I, some of you guys aren't voting. See, some of you are keeping it down because you don't want either. I know. It's not like it's actually going to happen if you vote. All right. Keep them up. Let me see. That's 50-50. Some of you guys want noisy neighbors? Ah. After 10 o'clock, I'm like, go to sleep. I'm going to call the cops if you guys are loud after 10, okay? Good job. Give it up for yourselves. Yep, can't do it with the sign. I know. Hey, hold that sign. We're going to do a little bit more of that through the message. I only got three questions, so just hold it. I'm going to ask you some questions. Um, this is going to be this or that church edition, okay? Church edition. This or that church edition. My goal today, just so you all know, is to evoke thought, okay? I want to get you guys to think about some of these things. So if I say anything that you're like, man, that doesn't, I don't, let me finish my thought and I'll make it at the end and hopefully I'll clear some things up because I'm not saying anything that's absolute. It's just to get us to think. Is that okay? You guys can think today? I know it's early, 1054. We'll see what we can do. All right, here we go. So this or that, church edition, the first question I have is this, is, is the pastor the spiritual head or is the pastor a regular Joe? Ready? Is the pastor the spiritual head? I'm going to make you think. I told you. The spiritual head, there's no wrong answer. Ever, some of you are nervous, okay? I'm not going to be offended. I promise you. Re regular Joe or spiritual head? Got it. Yep, okay, good. Thanks for being honest. Um, I can only answer for myself. Did you guys know that? 
I can only answer for myself and my experience. Um, but I've been studying about God and learning about God and growing in the things of God for about 25 years. Like when I was 17, I think I just kind of went all in, just started studying in the Bible and went to Bible college. And I remember the first year I went to Bible college, right, I went in with my roommate and we went in with the thought of God loves me, right? It's a good thought to go into Bible college with, wouldn't you think? And when we were done, I ran into that same roommate. He was no longer my roommate. Um, but when we were done, I ran into him, and we realized that that was still the same thought. And what a cool thought to go in with, that God loves me. And then when you're done, to realize, man, we learned all that, but we still realize that God loves us. Um, something I've grown to be more comfortable with as well, and something they taught us at this same college, was uh, when somebody asks you a difficult question, right, about God or a spiritual question, the thing I'm much more comfortable with is saying, I don't know. And I know that's really difficult because I think we always think we need to have an answer. We always think, man, when somebody asks me a really difficult, spiritual, godly question, I got to have an answer or they're just going to, they're going to flail for years, right? But I tell you, the more you lean into I don't know, the better off you are. And I will kind of jump right into this. I'll try to give you at least my answer, whether you agree or disagree, and that's okay, um, is you pastors are not spiritual head. You'd think so, and I can prove to you why they think that, and I understand that thinking. Um, but the reason why I believe that is they have no better connection to God than you do. Did you know that? I have no better connection to God than you do. Now, if you ever run into someone that says they have a better connection to God than you do, uh, in Spanish, there's a word that my wife uses often. It's called cuidado. And what cuidado means is be careful. My encouragement to you is run. Okay? Run from the person. Because if somebody is telling you that they have a better spiritual connection to God than you do, that means that they're placing themselves in a level of authority that you don't have. Okay? And I will tell you today that nobody has a better spiritual connection to God than you do. Uh, I knew a guy in this same college. He believed that if he prayed for you uh, a, a special love prayer, you would know God's love better. Okay? And of course, don't we all want to know God's love better? And so when I went to go ask him to pray for me, right, here I am, I'm like, yeah, of course, pray for me. And when he started praying, I felt the exact same way at the end of the prayer, only to realize that nothing had changed. There was no special prayer. There was no greater understanding that somebody can impart into you about God's love because nothing changes from A to B. Nobody has that capability. Now, can you encourage people and remind people about how much he loves you? Absolutely. But nobody has a special connection with God beyond what we do. Now, I think where some people get this spiritual head uh, conversation is Hebrews 13, 7. It says, obey your leaders and defer to them, for they keep watch over you and will have to give an account. How many of you guys have heard this? Verse, right? Have to give an account that they may fulfill their task with joy and not with sorrow, for that would be of no advantage to you. Now, the word give, a, give an account, it sounds kind of scary, right? Like they're going to get judged special, 
a special judgment. And can you picture how heaven is? Like, you got the angels, and they got the little orange sticks, right? And they're like, come on, come on, come on. Oh, pastors, okay, over here. Actually, you're in this line. Ushers, you're right there. We got the people greeters right there. People that work in church here, youth people. Yep, 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 stay in line. Yep, yep, yep. That'd be weird, wouldn't it? In heaven, there is no special lines. There's no special judgment. Actually, the word give an account is referring to Paul when Paul is asking these different churches and these different places, and he's asking Timothy, and he's asking Corinthian, the Corinthian people, and he's asking Galatia and all these places. He's asking them to give him an account, okay? But it's not an account to God. It's just letting him know, how are things going? Um, this verse isn't saying that there's a spiritual head. It's really saying, don't give your local leaders a hard time. Isn't that good? That's good news. Don't give them a hard time. They have a lot to do. Who is the spiritual head then, Matt? Matt, if, if you're not it, if other pastors aren't the spiritual head, then where am I left? Let me show you. I have good news. Ephesians 1.22, it says, and he put all things in subjection under his feet. God put all things under Jesus' feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. Jesus is the head. Ephesians 5.23, it says, as Christ also is the head of the church. That's good news, right? He's the head. Um, he himself being savior of the body. 1 Corinthians 11.3, it says, but I want you to understand, I want you to understand that Christ is the head of of every man. And the last one is Colossians 1:18. It says, "He is also head of the body, the church." You know what's cool about this, about learning this right here? Is nothing I can do can separate your relationship with him. Nothing I can say, nothing anyone can say can actually interfere with your relationship with God. And I'll tell you today, God is super responsible. Did you guys know that? He's super responsible. He knows exactly what we're going through. He knows every wave that's being counted. He's not going to lose track. His care for you is way better than mine could ever be. His care for you, any pastor's care for you, his care for you as the head is way more than I could. So what's the pastor or the leader's responsibility? Like, he's got to have some responsibilities, right? We'll get to that at the end, okay? You guys okay with that? I'm going to wait. We're going to pause. We'll come back to that. We're going to go back to our this or that game. All right, get ready. The next question for this or that is, is church attendance a Christian maker? This is a trick question, so be careful. Here we go. Or that no attendance means a Christian breaker, does that make sense? It's going to be tough to answer this, right? Take a, take a stab at it. Does going to church make you a Christian? Or if you don't go to church, does that break your Christianity? Do you become a backslider? Have you guys heard this terminology? A backslider. I like it that you're not answering that. Good job. Way to go, Kristen. So this is a hot topic, okay? It's a hot topic. I hear this, even in grace churches, I hear, and during 2020, I heard people preaching this from, like, other countries all over the place saying that you better get to church. 
And you would think I would encourage and say this. This is like you have to come to church. It is a must. It's an absolute. And me kind of letting you off the hook is kind of a little bit strange. I was talking to one of our staffs, but it's kind of like a chiropractor saying, you don't need to come to me anymore. We're good. You don't have to come to the church. You know, it's kind of, it's unusual for somebody to talk this way up front. Years ago, I'll tell you years ago, before we moved here, though, um, we were in the process of fixing our house up to move here about seven years ago, and we had hopped churches. We had gone to different churches trying to figure out, like, where do we want to go? Uh, and we found this church, and then we, we were like, okay, well, we're going to move, but we're going to attend this church while we're going here. We didn't agree with a lot of things they talked about, but we went there because they were good people, and they were looking after other people. We just felt like we are supposed to go to church. You guys ever felt like that, where you have to go to church, right? And I had never missed church at all, okay? Like, so... I was doing construction on my own house, and then I missed about three weeks of church. Then I went back to the church, visited, felt like things were kind of awkward. Then I worked for another few weeks, and I went back to the church. And the second time I went back, we went out to lunch with the pastors, and I made a joke. And I was like, hey, sorry, we kind of backslid during that time, but we're back now, right? And you could see on their face, they were like... And I was like, no, I'm being sarcastic. Like, this is a joke, we're not really backslid. Whatever, if you think that happened, I'm sorry, but none of that happened. And he made it really, really awkward for me. And what's funny to, to, to let you know that story is I personally felt weird about it. I remember working at the house, and I was even listening to church services. I was listening to this church. I was listening, and I listened all through the week, and I felt really bad about missing church. I really did. I was like, man, I think... I think something's wrong. And then we went back to church, and it was like day after, every Sunday, I was like, well, I think I still believe in God. <laughs> Everything's fine. There was no lightning bolt that came down. There was no, you know, finger that was pointed by God. But the reason why I felt that way is because I thought that going to church made me more of a Christian. I believed that. I believed that going to church made me more of a believer, now, there's three scriptures that I'm going to go over with you that people typically use about church attendance, okay? And I'll, I'll try to go through these pretty quick. But church attendance, typically people say Hebrews 10.25. Does everybody kind of know this one? Forsake not the assembling of ourselves, right? Have you guys heard that sometimes about forsake not the assembling of ourselves? This is usually how it's said. Am I right? 10.25 NLT it says, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Now, it didn't say thou must go to church. Did you hear that? It didn't say thou must go to church. I'm going to say it one more time. It did not say thou must go to church, right? Um, who was the writer of Hebrews writing to? Does anybody know? Hebrews. Good, good, good. Now, where did the Hebrew people go to church? Was it Hebrew First Assembly? Was it Hebrew National? Was it First United Hebrews? Some of you are going to get home, you're going to open your freezer and be like, that's where he got that from. That's where he got that from. At that time, the Hebrew people met in two places that they gathered. Synagogues, which was for studying the Torah, right? And then the temple, which is where they sacrificed animals for the forgiveness of sins. Now, I want to let you know, 
the, the writer of Hebrews was not encouraging people to go to either one of those places. He was actually like writing so that they wouldn't continue in the traditions of men. Okay? Another scripture they commonly use is Exodus 20, verse 8. It says, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Right? Can I do that a couple more times? I think so. All right. Addressed to the Jews, right? This was addressed to the Jews. And I want to tell you, if you want to try and apply this, this verse, you can. You can try to apply. But I'm letting you know that if you start down that road, you're going to have to do all 613. Brett just went over this. All 613, if you're going to just, if you're going to bring in keeping the day holy, which I don't think you really even realize what they mean by that. If you study it, it means keeping the Sabbath. It wasn't just on, you know, everybody does the Sunday thing, thinking of Sunday. It was a different day. And the day that you chose, you weren't even allowed to get out of bed and make 40 steps. That's why you hear Jesus and different ones talking about getting the donkey out of the ditch and all that. I don't know what was going on with donkeys and ditches, but there was a lot going on back in the day, right? But once you get there, if you made those 40 steps, I'm like, do you just lay down and then you have to observe the Sabbath? I don't know. But it's pretty extreme if you think about it. James 2.10, it says, for the one who attempts to keep all of the law of Moses but fails in just one point has become guilty of breaking the law in every respect. In other words, if you fail one, you fail them all. Okay, when I was in high school, my junior year, um, I was kind of going through some personal things at home, and I was struggling getting to school at 7.05 when the, when the first history class started. And so I thought, I'll just sleep in a little bit, okay? So I'd sleep in until 7.06, 7, you know, I, I would get in late, 7.07, I kept showing up late. And then if you got past 7.15, they counted you late for that class, okay? Now, if you miss so many days... They count you as failed due to absences. It's rough seeing that on your report card if you guys have kids. Failed due to absences. If you stayed away from the class till past 745, guess what they would do? They would count you late for the entire day. And I didn't know that. And all of a sudden, I was about, you know, so many days in. And I realized I had on my report card almost all of my classes were failed due to absences because I was late to one class. And that's how this verse is. If you want to keep the Sabbath day holy, recognize you got to keep all 613 and you're going to fail at some point in time. So give it a try if you want, but good luck in the process. Another scripture that they'll use is James 4.8. Typically we hear this scripture before worship or before services start, but it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And that's a really cool verse, and it sounds pretty, and it sounds beautiful, and it's usually quoted before these services, but who was the audience that he was talking to, right? And all you really have to do is read the next part. It says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. James and other books of the Bible weren't always writing to believers. Sometimes they were evangelical. And so here he's saying, when you come to know the Lord, when you are cleansed, right, that is a process by which you can draw close to God. But it's not, when we come to church, we're not drawing any more closer to God than when we're at home, okay? He is always with you. Now, is there something special when we come together and we challenge each other and we'll talk about some of those things in a second? Absolutely. Something cool that happens here every time we talk about Jesus, right? Um, if you don't go to church, how do you know you're a believer? 
So if you're watching at home, this might be encouraging to you. 2 Corinthians 13, 5 through 6, it says, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. And it says, Test yourself. Or do you not, or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you fail to meet the test, I hope you will find out that we have not failed the test. If you read in the King James, it says, test yourself. Are you in the faith? You can ask yourself this. If you're at home, you can ask yourself this. And can I tell you, if you're asking yourself this, right, I love what the next part says. It says, you will find out that you will not fail. We have passed the test. Right? It's super easy to believe and become a believer. Your identity is not found in coming to a building, even though we love coming to a building, right? Our identity is not when we all get together. Our identity with him is completely separate than that. We are free to go to church, and we're free not to. I encourage you to come, though, right? Truth is, some may never come, though. I used to think, man, if I can get that guy saved and in church and he goes through the steps and then we're going to make him a disciple. Can I, can I just encourage you, and if you're watching at home and you're not here, some people are just never going to come to church. I know that might seem surprising. Some people, it's not the right fit for them. Because I used to think that, man, I'm like, man, I got to get him to come to church. It's the next step. You got to Some people just won't come. And that's okay. It's okay. If they want to come, Bring them. If they don't want to, we love you, right? Is that cool? All right. Romans 8, 1 through 2, it says, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus, and because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. I don't have a scripture that tells you that you have to go to church. Why? Because there isn't one. And that's good news. All I can continue to tell you is that there's no condemnation. Romans 8.38, it says, So now I live with the confidence that there is nothing in the universe with the power to separate us from God's love. I'm convinced that his love will triumph over death, life's troubles, fallen angels, or dark rulers in the heavens. There is nothing in our present future circumstances that can weaken his love, not even skipping church on Sunday. <gasps> right? Nothing can separate his love. Nothing. If church wasn't here, if we, the government shut everything down, I can promise you his love is still with us. We are still a believer. You know what stinks about his love too? I know that, that sounds bad, but you know what stinks about his love, his grace, his mercy, is there's no extra credit. Ah, oh, but that's good news too. Think about Jesus, right? When Jesus uh, first came to John the Baptist, right? Do you remember the heavens split? said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. There was nothing that Jesus had done at that point. He hadn't done anything. Can I tell you something also? Jesus didn't go to church. Did you hear that? He didn't go. If he did go to the synagogues, he caused all sorts of trouble. Don't do that, please. Last this or that. You ready? Last one. I think you can answer this. We'll see. 
All right, this is Sunday's sermon matures the believer, right? The sermon that comes out on Sunday morning can mature the believer, or Sunday's sermon keeps us immature. Anybody got one? Go for it. You're, there's no wrong answer. What would you think? Does it mature the believer, or if you listen to a sermon, does it keep you immature? I'm seeing mostly this, okay? How many of you guys have ever heard this? Because I used to say this. I got to get to church to get fed. Anybody ever heard that? I know it's a strange thing, like we got a horse trough up here, right? (laughs) But I got to get to church to get fed. Pastor is bringing the word. Man. If you think about that, when you're listening to a speaker, a teacher, a preacher, you're listening to someone else that has thought about something, mold over something, and they're basically regurgitating their thoughts, right? I know it sounds awful, but that's, that's really what happens. You know what this means, that at some point in time, somebody from up here is probably going to say something that you don't like. Did you know that? We're probably going to say something that you don't agree with, and you're like, OMG, did you hear what brother so-and-so said? Oh, that was heresy. He said something completely opposite than what I think, including probably this morning. OMG, that is blasphemous. Whoa, I can't believe it. And could you imagine if we treated like, you know, church is the only place that we treat that everybody has to say everything that we agree with, right? It's the only place. Think about it if we treated TV like that. I got to rip this TV out of here. Can you believe the things that they're saying on YouTube? No way. Get this phone off. I'm, I'm done with it. No more phones. No more TVs. We're just going to stare at the wall. No, we don't do that, right? Then at church, if you hear something that you disagree with, get a grip. You're going to be okay. Life will go on. Amen? My hope, my prayer, my dream is that this church, amongst other churches, can learn that you have your own individual thoughts and your own individual relationship with the Lord. And nothing that's set up here can stop that. Nothing that's said anywhere can stop your relationship with him. Nothing can separate you from his love. Don't look at me with that tone of voice. John 14, 26 and 27, listen to this. This is in the Passion. It says, but when the Father sends the spirit of holiness, the one like me who sets you free, it's Jesus talking, he will teach you all things in my name, and he will inspire you, right? He will inspire you to remember every word I've told you. Rather than does the church or doesn't the church grow you up spiritually, the better question is, is what is your definition of spiritual? How many of you guys have met people in the church that you're like, that's pretty immature, right? I previously believed that being spiritual meant mastering saying no to sin. I used to believe that. I used to think, man, when you go to church, that is the goal. You have to learn how to overcome. I actually believe this type of message will keep you immature, though. 
I believe this type of message where you go to church so that you can learn how to overcome sin will actually keep you immature. Because what happens, y'all? You go home, the pastor told you how to overcome sin, you didn't overcome the sin, then you come back to church, he tells you again, you're like, man, I really feel bad, but man, I learned something new, let me go home, I'm going to try this all over again, up, I failed, let me go back, okay, does anybody see like kind of like a negative cycle there that's happening? It's It's not setting anybody free. You're just going through the process, they're trying to teach you how to do something, and then you're never actually overcoming sin. That's why I thought coming to church was so important because when I went, there to over, I went there to overcome sin. Look at Psalms 103, verses 12. It says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our wrongdoings from us. Romans 6, 10 through 11, it says, when he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God, verse 11. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. I've told you before, I'll tell you again, if overcoming sin is the goal, heaven is going to be slightly underwhelming. Because when we get there, we're going to be like, God, did you see all that stuff that I didn't do? He's going to be like, what are you talking about? I'm the one that overcame sin for you. Meanwhile, we're trying to be like, God, I dodged this, and I didn't do that, and I behaved this. And he's like, good for you. But, like, come on in and hang out. Chill out a little bit. You've been working too hard. I know, I now believe that being spiritual has more to do with understanding what God has done for us. I love what Rick said a few weeks back where he said, I don't hear God telling me everything I need to do as much anymore. He said, I now hear God telling me how much he loves me, who I am in him, and how much he loves other people. Man, that's a good place to live. It's a really good place to live. 2 Peter 1.12, it says, I won't hesitate to continually remind you of these truths even though you are aware of them and are established in the present measure of truth you have already embraced. Does going to church mature you spiritually? The better question is, does your church remind you of all that comes with Christ? If so, then yes. Yes, it can mature you because you're learning who you are in him. And does that have some kind of effect? Absolutely. But it doesn't always work out like everybody thinks. Some people may not overcome this thing, and you may overcome this thing. It doesn't make any difference. Some things get snuck through customs, and sometimes it makes it all the way to heaven, right? Are we going to encourage people to not make stupid decisions? Absolutely. We already do, and we do that every day. That was really dumb. You shouldn't do that again, right? We say that all the time. Are we going to try and manage people's sin? Good luck. Good luck. I tried that. I wrote the book, man. I told them, this is all the things you do. Isn't it interesting, like, when you tell people? It's like you could spend your whole life just telling everybody what to do and how to stop doing sin. Right? Only to realize they're just going to do whatever they want to do. They really are. I would rather hang out with somebody that thinks that they don't have it all figured out than a legalistic person that thinks they got everything all figured out. And it's that do me ministry. Do what I do. Right? Do what I look. Did you see what I did? Now do that. That's not a, that's a ministry of condemnation. 
Because that person doesn't even have it all figured out. The reason I moved here, and this is an encouragement about church and our church and churches in general, if they're preaching this way, the reason why I moved here is I wanted to rub shoulders with people that challenged me with the things of grace. I'd already been challenged on how to live right and how to be right and how to do all the right things because I thought I had it all figured out. I wanted to be challenged by people that were going to push me to realize, man, I don't have as much figured out and how to love people that need to be loved. I had a friend that called me before I moved here, and he's like, Matt, he's like, you got to make sure that church believes in progressive sanctification. You got to make sure, man, if they don't believe in, and I remember thinking, I don't even know what that means, but I don't know if I believe in progressive sanctification. Stop saying that. It sounds weird. So spiritual. Amen? I'm going to close with this. I don't even know if this makes sense, but I figured it made sense to me, so, um, you remember what I asked that I told you I was going to come back to about what pastors and leaders' responsibilities are at the beginning, right? I've got these pictures. Let's see if he can put them up there. They're, um, you guys ever heard of these? These are called Anukshuks, right? These are up in, like, Canada, Alaska, some are over in Europe, in different places in Ireland. Um, but what's fascinating about these is they don't require any glue, right, or bonding to make them. There's no nails. There's no construction. They're used as a navigation or a point of reference. They mean, this is what they mean, someone was here and you're on the right path. And notice that it's rocks working together to form what they call the nickname is walking men, and it helps people to find their way, right? And I believe that that's my job and that's your job, is not to try and imitate Jesus so that people will follow him, but to be a point of reference, to say you're on the right path, right? One of the ways to do this is to say, I don't have all the answers, but I can tell you I know somebody that does. I know the person that does. You're on the right path. I was this way. Like I was, I thought that I was alive, but now I realize I'm, I, I was made, I died and I rose again. Not I have all the answers and do everything that I'm doing because I'm trying to imitate Christ. That's a long road. I read the other day, um, this is the last thing, um, it, and it was a good quote, but I think it, it could have stepped it up. But it says that religion says God will love us if we change. And then it says, but the gospel says God's love changes us. I believe the gospel actually says God loves us, period. Why does it always have to infer change? Why is it always mixed in with this? He'll love you. That's still the if. He just loves you. Change happens because you realize, oh, my gosh, he loves me so much. But stop stressing out about it. That, that is the message that we preach. That is the walking men. He loves you. I had a girl one time begging me, does God want to change this about me if I come to know him? I don't know. But I can tell you with tears in my eyes, he loves you. He loves you so much. And I pray that as you come to church, as you're a part of a church, that you find a church. If you're at home, you find a church that tells you God loves you. Amen? Let me pray for you right where you're at. You guys can stay seating.
But Father, we thank you, God, for today. We thank you that you, man, you just love us right where we're at, God. You love us right where we are. And there's not a thing that we need to change about ourselves right now. Like, you're the one that does the change anyways. As we look to you, God, you are the author and the finisher of our faith. We get to say, I don't know why this hasn't worked out in my life. I don't know that it has to. But I get to say, you love me right where I'm at. That is the gospel, is that you love us right where we are. You loved us before we even had any glimpse about who you are. So why would your love be the process by which we change? Your love does change us because you came to live on the inside of us. We want what you want. We get to be with you at all times. We thank you, God. We trust you today. Everybody said, have a great week.